Hey guys, Tony Palo here from Equipping for Life. I am here. I'm here to help you. I'm here to equip you. I'm here to coach you. I'm here to empower you. I'm here to teach you tactical tools to overcome. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we'll see you guys around. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody take a deep breath. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Holy Spirit, you're in charge. Next several moments. Thank you for this moment. Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, talking about the seven churches of Revelation. Last week, we talked about the church of? Oh, you're breaking my heart, guys. Last week, we talked about the church of Ephesus. Last week, we talked about where Jesus, basically, every church was rebuked. It's basically, um, except two churches, Church of Philadelphia and today's church is the Church of Smyrna. So last week, you got a rebuke. I'm kind of sad because today, you don't get a rebuke. Kind of sad. Maybe I'll just sneak one in. <laughs> so the Church of Smyrna is one of two churches that doesn't get a rebuke from Christ. The, seven, uh, the other five churches do get a rebuke. Last week, we talked about the church of Ephesus, where they had everything in place. They were doing everything right, but essentially, they lost their passion for the things of the Lord. What do you do, Pastor Tony, when you lose your passion for Christ? The instruction was, you go back and you do the things that you used to do when you were passionate. And that includes uh, your passion for life, your passion for marriage, passion for relationships, your passion for love things that you used to love, you go back and do the things that you used to do. So today we're talking about a church that was really facing some severe uh, persecution. And, uh, and Nevaeh t- tapped into that today. And, uh, persecution now for us means a lot different than persecution uh, for the church of Smyrna. Back in the days, I mean, persecution meant being boiled in oil, being ripped apart by lines, being cut in half, being impaled by a sword or a spear. And so that was persecution. Persecution for us I, essentially, it's not that. It's everything else that uh, we may be ostracized or put apart from, from uh, a community in our jobs or left outside of activities, which is not real persecution compared to the persecution that they face here in the New Testament. So we're reading from the book of Revelation chapter 8, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 11. This is what it says. To the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died... And came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I am about, I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but they are of the synagogue of Satan, which is kind of harsh, but we're going to really, yeah, she's just right. We're going to look at that, what that really means. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, The devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. This is the second church. In fact, we're going to go back to our list of seven churches. Last week, we tapped into the church of Ephesus. Today, we're going to tap into the church of Smyrna, one of seven churches that wasn't rebuked, was not rebuked at all. It was this church and the church of Philadelphia 
that the Lord did not include a rebuke. So you have these seven churches, the church of Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and then the last church is the church of Laodicea. So the church of Smyrna, really interesting, was, was a product of intense persecution. All right? This church was, um, and all these seven churches are, were located in what we call modern-day Turkey. It was in Asia Minor, all these seven churches in modern-day Turkey, which when you look at Turkey now, really has less than 1% of Turkey is saved. And this is where it all started, right? So this church of Sardis was historically, all churches throughout the world has always been the recipients of societal pressure. Like we look at any church in Iran or Iraq or China or in Japan and, and complete persecution, complete pressure, which the pressure that we have here in the States is very different. Thank God for freedom, right? Now, for, as a church, we always brag on the, the freedom of speech and freedom of religion, right? We always, that's our go-to. You, this is a country where we have freedom of speech and freedom of religion. But the early church did not have those same bragging rights. They had neither the freedom of speech or the freedom of religion. You know who what they had? The Holy Spirit. And we have the Holy Spirit too, right? Yes? Raise your hand if you have the Holy Spirit. But yet, we, our go-to is freedom of speech, freedom of religion. I mean, these, in the book of Acts, the, the apostles were beaten and imprisoned for preaching and then let go and said, don't preach again. And what did they do? They preached again. What was their fuel? Their fuel, their motivation was the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the Roman government here, when we look at the book of Revelation, the Roman government were, were really setting up systems and designing laws that were anti-church, anti-God, anti-Christ. They were facing darkness, oppression. They lived in a very depressive, oppressive world that looked to shut down their influence. So the Roman emperor looked to pressure the church of Smyrna into a place of non-influence, and it became so terrible that the church, the Christians, if you were a Christian living in Smyrna at the time, you were living in poverty, extreme poverty. Because one of the things to note about the city of Smyrna when they were building the infrastructure is they didn't build proper drainage. So basically, when it flooded, it would just resurface all the sewage system, and there was sewer everywhere. So what the emperor did was take the Christians who were living in Smyrna and made them live in the sewer. So when it talks about, I know that you're living in poverty. See, poverty could either mean lacking or having nothing. In this story, it, what, they weren't lacking. They had nothing and they were living in the sewer. Verse 9 says, I know you are, I know your afflictions and your poverty. I know you're living in the sewer, but you are rich. How many of you would like to be rich one day? Half of you. I would like to have, I would like to be rich. Why? So that I can have more impact in the kingdom. So when it comes time to giving to missions, I can do, we can do more. So when it comes time to sending the teenagers, I, I, we can do more. Some people say, Pastor, I just want God to pay off my mortgage. Why? What would you do with that? Buy your, upgrade everything in your life except your spirituality? Or look to make an impact in the kingdom. So here, Christ says, listen, I know you are living in the sewer. I know you smell. I know you have the reek of sewage, but you are rich. Do you know people that are rich but are really poor? 
man, you you're got a very poor attitude, man. Your, your perspective is very poor. Do you, do you know people who are poor that are rich? Do you ever come to a place in your life and say, Lord, just give me an opportunity to make it, that, to be, have more wealth. You ever pray that? It's okay. Nobody. No, nobody's ever said, I'd like more money. Dad, y'all are embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. Say, Lord, just give me. See, the, what, the, what, what the world needs is more people with means that will make an impact, not more in their 401K, but in their eternity. And this is what we need here. So, but here, these people, were, they were poor. And they were forced to live in these conditions. And God says, I know you are living in poverty, but you are rich. Never identify your current living conditions through the eyes of fear. Always identify your living conditions through the eyes of faith. Right? Faith over fear. That was the message last year. It's amazing to me how the same living conditions of COVID can dismantle some people, but yet build others up. It's amazing in these certain living conditions how I see some people just step up to the plate and other people just back down and hide. He was saying, listen, I know things are not going well for you. You're living in the sewer, but don't decrease your influence. Man, it seems like we always want to have a reason for not to do what we need to do. We always come up with an excuse. Well, you know, and let me tell you, as a pastor, I, I should write a book on excuses that I've heard. It would be a volume. My, some of it I think is a joke, but then it's not. It's, 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 it's a, sometimes I try to prevent myself from laughing, but I, you know, I've got to be pastoral, a man of God. But these excuses, I know you're living in the sewer. Don't give up. I know you're living in the sewer, but you are never to identify your current circumstances based on what you see. The Bible says we don't live by what we see, we live by the unseen. Uh, the eyes of faith. When we live by what we see, we elevate what we see. And we're dominated by what we see. I'm so glad that there's the eyes of faith. Because in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 11, when Nevaeh was preaching from, and then she goes into chapter 2, where it identified their faith was the fact that they were just stood fast while they were being cut in half. They stood, the, the, the three Hebrew men, they stood faith. They said, you know what? No matter, you can throw us in the fire, but we ain't bowing down. I don't care what you say or what you do to our physical bodies. Our soul and our spirit and our hearts belongs to God. Nothing will get you closer to Christ than your faith-filled response during a trial. You are poor but you are rich. Now, the church of Laodicea, which is the seventh church, they were opposite. They were saying, we're rich. And God came along and says, no, you're poor. You are, you are poor. You are wretched. They claim to be rich. Now, the second part of verse 9 says, I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but they are from, they are of the synagogue of Satan. Kind of harsh. Like, man. It's like, they, they, were, they were people who were posing. They were, these people were imposters. You, have, you ever have somebody who says one thing but does another? Wait, 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 but hold on. You said, you said, I thought this was your, you know, sometimes you think you have, you have someone's character nailed down, but then they go through pressure and then the true self surfaces. And, and so what was happening here with the nation of, with the, with the people, the Christians in Smyrna, is there were people saying, yeah, we're Christians too, we're Jews too. And then pressure came, and then the, 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 the imposters began to surface. The people who were fake began to surface. And I started thinking about the story of Peter 
and, and, and Jesus, where in the interaction between Peter and Jesus, Jesus says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. And I start thinking, I'm like, wow, that's really harsh. Why would Jesus say, first of all, if I was there, I would have said, yo, chill. Jesus, man, apologize. Peter, say sorry to Peter. Jesus, what did you say to him? All, Peter's, all Peter said was, no, you're not going to the cross. Anytime you present a plan, anytime you present an idea that goes contrary to God's plans and workings from your life, you are of the synagogue of Satan. And Jesus said to Peter, you are, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, Judas is also from the synagogue of Satan, but Peter repented, Judas didn't. It's a difference here. Maybe some of you need to go into your uh, uh, company, into the atmosphere of people that you hang out and start going around and says, get thee behind me, Satan. Do you ever feel like you need to tell somebody that? Some of you need me to make a call. Hopefully they're not here. But some of you need to make a call. Listen, man, you're from the synagogue of Satan. I can't hang around with you. My pastor said, no, don't blame me. It's not my life. It's your life. <laughs> he says, there are people, and these Jews, they, they said, yeah, they wanted the benefits of covenant, but they lived like they were under contract. Covenant is unbroken. Covenant is your marriage. A covenant is your relationship with God. I'm so grateful that God did not write I'm so grateful that New Testament and Old Testament means new covenant and old covenant, not new contract and old contract. Because a contract can be broken. You don't believe me? Stop paying your mortgage. You don't believe me? Skip a lease payment on your car for a couple of months and see what happens. A covenant is unbroken. And so with these Jews, there were people that were posers, imposters, perpetrating the fraud, saying, yeah, wear this, wear that. I, I, I'm, I, don't, I have very little value in my life for people who say one thing but do another. And so Jesus is saying to them, in the context of, because we follow into verse 10 saying, the devil's going to put you in jail. <laughs> in that context, we go from there are people that are fake, there are people that are phony. There are people that are trying to cash in on the benefits of covenant, but are really living under contractor, uh, uh, contract, imposers. And then verse 10 says, be, do not be afraid of the suffering you will have to endure. I don't really like talking about suffering. Anybody here like that? I don't really like talking about um, being persecuted, suffering for righteousness. And, and it, it, I got to tell you, man, in this context, we're not just talking about everyday mere persecution that you get a job. I'm talking about suffering to the point where you are martyred for your faith. This is something, I see it in movies, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know. I would look to do a James Bond and try to run or escape or something like that. Like if they start throwing rocks at me, I'd be like, yo, I'm checking out. See, you got to catch me. I run fast. Jesus is with me, man. But. When Stephen was stoned, he was like, see, I don't know if, like, he didn't feel the rocks or anything, but I don't even care. That's rough. That's a rough way to go. And so when we look at this context, and the context of Hebrews chapter 11, when we look at Hebrews chapter 11, that scripture we all uh, say, uh, speak as far as don't forbid yourselves of coming together, the fellowship, the, don't stop coming to the church. Don't stop fellowshipping. And the context was that, listen, if you get together, we're going to boil you in oil. Now, I would say that's a good reason not to come to church. <laughs> Pastor Zoni, I'm not going to be there Sunday. Why? 
because the governor threatened to boil me in oil. I'm like, yeah, stay home. That'd be a rough way to go, man. In fact, John, who wrote the book of Revelation, was the only apostle that wasn't martyred, but he was boiled in oil, somehow survived, got he was taken out of the oil, and now gets put on the island of Patmos to shut him down. And these guys are not saying, we have the Second Amendment. We have the, the right of the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion. This is my right as an American citizen. So the, the instruction that they're given is, do not be afraid of the suffering you will have to endure. There is coming a pressure there is a pressure that's going to come upon you. Now, anytime there's a pressure that comes to the church, it's not a product of evil society. Anytime there's a pressure that comes to the church, it's a, it's the, it's the, a product of the enemy himself, the devil. This is why Jesus says on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. There's nothing that the enemy would like to do and that is to dismantle your faith when you are facing pressure. And this next statement I'm going to say, I wouldn't amen it, but greatness comes out of you when you are in pressure. I don't even like to agree with it. I don't even like to amen it. I wish it weren't true, but it's true, Pastor Donovan. The only way we can get a diamond looking like a diamond out of coal is when it's, it's going through pressure. That's the only way. We can, there's no shortcut. There's no audit. You can't audit this class. You can't fast track this. You got to go through what you got to go through. And when you go through what you go through, greatness is going to come out. But in the process of the pressure they're facing, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Actually, it goes a little deeper than that. It's be fearless. Don't live in fear. And some of you are saying, how do I stop living in fear? Well, the same, there are messages that you are saying to yourself over and over again. You are repeating messages to yourself that's fertilizing fear. So let's take the opposite approach. That's why we sing, you are good, good. And we sing it again and again. Why? Because we want to fertilize faith. All those declarations you're making, oh, I'm going to declare, 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 declare. Those declarations are just decorations unless they're grounded in truth. And it's just going to, things are just hanging around. I believe God, he's my savior. But why, why are you still struggling in fear? God will never use fear to teach you a lesson. For God, there's, the, the word is, of God is clear when it comes to fear. He's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So he says, the first thing you got to do, these are the things that are going to happen. The devil's going to put you in jail. Don't be afraid. I know some of you spend time in jail, but it wasn't the devil. It was you that put you in there. But like the devil. And it's interesting because what the devil is trying to do with the church of Smyrna is remove their influence. Now they're poor, they're poverty stricken, living on the streets, living in the sewers, and they're still considered a threat to the enemy. Okay, you're poor, you got nothing, you smell like um, um, sewer. <laughs> you smell like sewer. Um, but you're still dangerous. So let's put you in jail. And you don't understand the level of your danger even at your lowest moment. But Pastor Tony, it smells like poopy. You're still dangerous. But Pastor Tony, I'm depressed. You're still dangerous. But Pastor Tony, I have ADHD and OCD and ABCDEFG. You're still dangerous. 
It don't matter what you're going through, what you smell like, what you look like. You got all of heaven packed inside of you like dynamite and you are dangerous. Which is why the devil is looking to put them in jail. Trying to, and be careful. If you're trying to disqualify yourself, the more you disqualify yourself, the more you qualify. Because God is looking for people who attempt to disqualify themselves. I can't do it. Yes, you can. I don't have the gifts. You're the perfect person. I don't know if I can do it. Put a microphone. I don't like speaking. Never say to me, I don't like public speaking. Because I will one day give you a microphone. Who doesn't like public speaking? Raise your hand. Ah, y'all know why you guys caught up. Craig. Did Craig just raise his hand? All right. I got you, man. He says, don't be afraid. Fear is a spirit. Being afraid is sometimes, most of, all of what I do for the Lord, Scott, I do afraid. I've never said, I got this. Oh, you want me to slay the giant? I got this. You want me to build an ark? I got this. Jesus was afraid. Luke chapter 2, he was sweating great drops of blood. I would say he was going through some emotional turmoil. You're afraid? Great. Do it afraid. Not by the spirit of fear, though. The spirit of fear is paralyzing. Being afraid sometimes is a good thing. You know, if you see a grizzly bear, what are you supposed to do? You crawl up in fetal position and, make, and just pretend like you're sleeping, and he smells you, and he just walks away. Anybody's ever done that? I don't know. Like, like Bear's like, yummy lunch. Thanks for staying still. I got you. Nobody's ever done that. If you see a poisonous thing, there are things that you should be afraid of. You know, I'm, you know now I'm 52. Some things I don't want to do. Like, I'm not going to go. I don't like, these guys are planning a thing to Six Flags. I'm like, I just, I, I'll stay home and watch Netflix. I don't want to do that. I don't have to do things I don't want to do anymore. I'll stay with the stroller. We don't have any strollers anymore, Dad. I'm, whatever. There's certain things you're supposed to be afraid of, but the spirit of fear paralyzes you. And the spirit of fear, I would even venture to say to take a step forward, the spirit of fear is equivalent with disobedience because fear keeps you from doing things that God wants you to do. Fear keeps you from not doing things that God doesn't want you to do. We got we to gotta stay in tune here. So fear now, for those of you, the, the instruction is I know that the, the enemy's going to put you in prison. You, you smell like sewer. You have nothing. But don't be afraid. That's it. Don't, don't live in fear. And if you're here today and you are living in fear, you are fertilizing that fear. You, you, who's fertilizing it? You. The enemy is not, for, the enemy is not allowed to come into my house. And we, we get so angry about so many different things. But when the enemy comes to attack us, to throw us in prison, and to reduce our, our influence, we're like, oh, my goodness, God, so many the devil's attacking me. You know, you're on Mineral Spring Road Rage, ready to hit somebody up the side of the head with a golf club. But when the devil attacks you, you melt. You melt. It's like, boy, I, re I remember years ago living in, in Brooklyn. We lived, there was a time where we lived in those. It looked like a brownstone. I lived in the basement. My grandmother lived on the first floor, and my parents and my brothers lived on the second floor. So one night, 2 in the morning, it's a rough neighborhood in Brooklyn. So one night, Jacob, 2 o'clock in the morning, I hear my mom screaming. I'm like, what is going on? So I run up the basement stairs, run through the hallway, and then run up the stairs to the second floor. And I go to the kitchen, and there's a window. Now, we had gates on our windows, but our windows were on the second and third floor. <laughs> 
So, it, and so my mom's on the second floor yanking the padlock off the, 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 the sill, throwing pots and pans down and screaming at whoever was down there. And I'm like, what is going on? So I walk up to the window, and my mom zips past me to go downstairs. And I go look out the window and look down, and there's a guy with a ski mask with beady eyes. So I say to him, dude, you better run. My mom's coming down. I'm like, serious, you better run. My mom's coming down. I don't know what he had, but I said, dude, like, why don't we get that kind of angry when the enemy comes near my territory? Dude, man, you know, I'm a man of God, but if you catch me in an alley, I'm going to lay hands on you. It's like the enemy, we, get, we have road rage, we have anger, but you know what happens when we take that anger into our prayer lives? It turns into, we call that intercession. You ever angry pray? It's like, no, be careful. If you catch a mom praying for their child, angry pray, that's intercession. But he says, don't be afraid. I'm not afraid of nothing. I'm not afraid of no man because God got Jesus inside of me. I got the Holy Spirit shut up in my, my bones, in my heart. And so we are to live fearless. And if God is asking you to do something and you're afraid, do it anyway. Do it afraid. Live completely fearless. So I'm just really in shock. I mean, our church in 2020, we sailed through 2020. Why? Because we had many women of God who were fearless. We sailed through. People calling me and talking to me this day. Pastor Tony, how'd you guys do during COVID, during the shutdown? Yeah, how you doing? We're doing great because we have men and women of God who are fearless. We have men and women. I mean, the time that you step up to your giant, of course I'm afraid, but I got to get this done. I got to do this. God is asking me to build an ark. I'm not quite sure. I'm a little afraid, but I'm going to do it afraid. Whatever God is commanding you to do, do it afraid. You live fearless. This is what the instruction is given to them. Listen, you guys might live, lose your life, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Think about those who were martyred for their faith. They were like, yes, I get to give my life. It's like, I don't know if I can hang around with those kind of people. I had lunch with somebody one day, and they were talking to a missionary. And they were like, Pastor Sonny, I just long for the day where I get to give my life for the gospel. I'm like, I can't eat my cheeseburger now, man. You messed up my appetite. Why are you talking like this? I'm just trying to enjoy this bacon cheese. You ever have some people you're like, Come on, man. But this is how the early church was. You live in the sewer. You're going to give your life. Devil's going to throw you in prison. Don't be afraid. But can't you give me something more? Yes, be fearless. Be fearless. This is the suffering that's going to come upon the church. And the devil is active. The devil is active. He's active. Nothing like a good crisis, like a good chaos, nothing like a good pandemic to bring greatness out. Let me tell you, man, I'm so proud of this church because we put the sail up, let the Holy Spirit move, and you guys did what you've been trained to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because, yeah, we're a nice, cozy family, but what we're doing up in this place is we're building an army of men and women who are fearless. Do not be afraid. There's a pressure that's going to come upon you. And the pressure, and i got to tell you, when we look at history, church history, the church thrives under pressure. I 
it's tough, man, but it's true. I was listening, I was at a men's conference yesterday, and this guy was giving an illustration about, he, he just, he, talking about his friend, he, his friend's a weightlifter, and he says, I just love the pressure that I feel when I'm under weight. He says, I love what pressure does to me. I love, I, I love what pressure does to my mind. I love what pressure does to my soul. I love how the pressure of the weight, it feels to my body. It expands me. It causes me to grow. You see, when you're humble, pressure stretches you. When you're prideful, pressure breaks you. I don't want to be broken. I want to be stretched. So the reality here is when he says, listen, you're going to undergo pressure. Don't be afraid because Christ has complete control over every element of your life. We can be fearless, live fearless. And they were already living on the streets, but yet they were still a threat. They were still, they were broken. They were dismantled. They were living in darkness, oppression, but yet they were still a threat. Do not fear. You will never accomplish what God wants to accomplish in your life through a spirit of fear. Then he says to them, be faithful. Verse 10, be faithful even until death. And I will give you life. I will give you the crown of life. Now, I've always heard that when we get to heaven, we're going to get a crown. And some, some, you know, most commentators say, it's, it's symbolic. Life, eternal life is your crown. I don't know if we're going to be in heaven like wearing a crown going, Mike, is my crown straight? How does my crown look? Somebody said to me, Pastor Tony, I can't wait to get to heaven so I can get my crown. I said, no, it's not going to be like that. I mean, because we're not going to be all walking around in heaven, all different size crowns and gems and stuff like that. Our crown is the crown of life, who's Jesus Christ himself. But here he says, listen, even to the point of death. I mean, I, I'm faithful, but it seems like there's always limitations on faithfulness. It's like, I'll be faithful up until this point. Because I don't know if I can get to the point where I'm like, yes, I get to be stoned for Jesus. But yet, Stephen, he saw Jesus. And there's a grace that comes on you when you face pressure of all kinds. I got to tell you, there is a grace because you look back on your life at the moment of panic. You were in the moment, but when hindsight's always 20-20, but you look back and you say, while God was with me, I don't know why I panicked. Be faithful even until death, which this scripture overrides 2020. Because 2020, we had almost 600,000 people who died of a disease. And then we had billions who were afraid of the disease. 600,000 died. Billions stopped living because they didn't want to die. Some of y'all are mad at me because they're like, Pastor, you don't understand. And I'm like, ah, I'm like, you don't understand. I'm sleeping. You don't understand. Okay, I don't, I'm not interested in your excuses. Did this crisis cause you to shut down? And I said it before, if this ever happens again, I would not shut the church down. The next time I shut this church down is when the rapture happens. I'm telling you now, that was one thing. I said, that's not going to happen. I mean, we thought it was the end of the world. We were going to Target in, in our bubbles. Remember, Brandon, at the beginning? And then we came into the house, take your shoes off. We spray you down with alcohol solution. We thought it was the end of the world. 
You're living in the sewer. You got nothing. You're going to be thrown in prison. Be fearless. Be faithful. There's not going to come another crisis that's going to shut down your influence. Your influence will never be shut down. And when you feel shut down, the enemy's still going to come at you and try to throw you in prison. Why? Because you're still dangerous. In your lowest moment, you're still dangerous. Remember, it's not about you. It's about what's inside of you. And the enemy, the lion of the tribe of Judah, is stronger than the devil who, like a lion, seeks whom he seeks to prowl around, seeks whom he, he may devour. Pressure brings out greatness. We do better under pressure. So, no matter what, live fearlessly. No matter what. Live faithfully. No matter what is happening in your life, don't identify your circumstances through the eyes of fear. Identify your circumstances through the eyes of faith. And watch God do what he loves to do best. So if you are under pressure right now, surrender your life to God. You are at the greatest point in your life. Pressure? might be the only thing that's keeping you saved. Because any last time God gave you a breakthrough, you didn't have pressure, you almost backslid. Last time you didn't have pressure, you stopped coming to church. That, that's, not, that's not in my notes, but I got to say this. Last time, I know for some people, anytime I see them, they're like, they're in crisis. And then when I don't see them, they're doing good. Pray, I need this breakthrough, Pastor. I need this job in Jesus' name. You got the job. We don't see you anymore. It's the pressure. The nation of Israel, anytime they had an enemy, they did well. When they didn't have an enemy, they didn't do well. Let it not be said that the worst thing that can happen to you is success. Some of y'all can't handle it. Some of you need to be pinned in a corner tight. Constricted pressure on all sides to keep you on track. Prison's the only thing that's keeping you sane, sane and saved. So, let it not be said of you where pressure is the only thing that keeps you passionate. Let it be said of you that what keeps you passionate is just the joy of the Lord is my strength. In Him, I find peace. In him, I find joy. In him, I find cover. I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, two things. Live fearless. I ain't afraid. Nothing? Well, a couple of things. But I'm not. Be faithful. Be filled with faith. I know some of you feel like you're stuck. You're not stuck. You're faithful. Being stuck and being faithful, sometimes they look the same. You're not stuck. You're faithful. You're doing the thing that you felt prompted to do when you were prompted to do it. Now you don't feel prompted to do those things, and you still have to do those things. After the, the, the aura of the Holy Spirit is no longer on you, now you still have to do those things. That's what it means to be faithful through through it all, through it all, through the darkness, through the dark times, through the times of living in the sewer, during the times of poverty, during the times of riches, during the dark times, during the oppressive times, during the times we feel sad and depressed and filled with anxiety. Be fearless. Be faithful. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, you hear
Oh, glory to your name, God. Spirit of the Lord, thank you. For, thank you, Lord, for your touch on our lives. Oh, God. You never leave us nor forsake us, God. You never walk away from us. You never quit on us, Lord. You never turn your back on us. God, you are always with us. And your word is so beautifully clear and illustrates to us how you are connected to us even when we want to disconnect and do our own thing. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for truth. Thank you, Jesus, for your, the power of the Holy Spirit that's in us, Lord, right now. And God, there is some here today that have, they feel that pressure on them. I don't know if you ever had that pressure on you where sometimes you say, I don't know if I'm going to make it. You ever say that? It's like, you overthink it. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And then you get through it and go, I don't know how I got through this. I don't know how this is going to happen. Like there is no condition that gets so dark where God's in heaven going, hold on a second, we're going to have to figure this one out. There's no condition or circumstance that will surround you that is so outside of reach of the miraculous. God is always with you. He's for you. He never leaves you for a second. I mean, I'm so packed full of promise man and it seems like the only way that those promises can flow is when there's a need and when we're in a need is usually when we're desperate and maybe you're in that place right now and you're in a good place of desperation you feel dark you feel sometimes you feel helpless and God says good this is where Calvary can take over this is where the cross can come and and do its thing on the platform of heaven pressure overcome there's a promise for you if you overcome there's life that you have in heaven, but also life here on earth. Eternal life, abundant life. Eter abundant life, eternal. And abundant life is a representation of what eternal life looks like. And you get to cash in right now of the promises that have to do. Well, the promises of God represents heaven. Let your will be done on as it is in. So you got a trailer right now of heaven and how that works is live fearlessly live faithfully be afraid of nothing don't be afraid of anybody don't be afraid of the bully the devil's a bully what do you do with bullies you beat them up when I was in school I'm like if I ever get a chance I'm going to beat up that bully I used to beat up the bullies. <laughs> Seriously. Never did drugs or alcohol, but I would always get into fights, and I would beat up the bullies. And I would do it afraid. And I would do it not with a plan. And I would do it, like, not knowing what I was doing. But I was, like, so upset that that bully was picking on everybody that I took it on myself. Let's beat up the bully. Live fearlessly. Live faithfully. That road rage that you have in your middles, on middle spring, bring it into your prayer life and watch it turn into intercession. Come on, man. Give the devil. I won't give the devil a black eye. I'm going to beat up some demons, man. Don't, don't, don't sit back. Turn back. Don't, don't, and don't call it humility. That's not humility. Humility is God, by, by your strength I do this. Not by might, nor by power, but by his power. By his strength 
I'm going to do this in Jesus' name. I can do all things through Christ. So Lord, thank you for the pressure that is on us. James says, consider it pure joy, brethren and sisters, when trials come upon you. Why? Because, man, you come out shining. You come out looking amazing. Thank you for the pressure. Thank you for what the pressure does to our body, to our mind, and to our soul. The pressure teaches us to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Thank you, God. For the trial. And Lord, when we come out on the other side, we come out looking like Jesus. Looking like the purposes of God. Come on, Haley, sing that song. Lead us that song, would you?